You're listening to ReachMD's continuing coverage of the American Medical Association's House of Delegates meeting, which took place June 13th through 17th in Chicago. Host Bruce Japson reports from the conference on a few of the meeting's major votes. Later in this report, he sits down for a conversation with Dr. Stephen Stack, practicing emergency physician from Lexington, Kentucky, and a member of the AMA Board of Trustees. Now, your host, Bruce Japson. From warning consumers about the dangers of the anti-aging industry to hearing President Obama promise support for young doctors seeking careers in primary care medicine, the American Medical Association tackled myriad issues important to the nation's physicians. You're listening to a special report from Chicago on the AMA's annual House of Delegates meeting. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune, your host. In the wake of President Barack Obama's visit to the AMA's House of Delegates meeting, the AMA said it would support new alternatives to reforming the health care system, including those funded by the federal government. The AMA's 543-member policymaking House of Delegates actually stripped the words public option from an earlier resolution, but doctors nonetheless endorsed a plan to cover the uninsured by supporting health system reform alternatives. One of the ideas that the AMA had worried about if they approved a public option in their wording was that members of Congress would term this to be a single-payer form of health insurance or perhaps something that would be government-run, which the doctors did not want to do and they do not necessarily support. The AMA House of Delegates also took action to support their ability to discuss obesity with their patients. The doctors voted to oppose efforts by advocacy groups to define obesity as a disability. The physicians in the House of Delegates felt any effort to define obesity as a disability would create a bureaucracy that would make physicians more susceptible to lawsuits. In keeping with the AMA's long standing of opposition to smoking and advocacy that has curtailed marketing of tobacco products, the AMA House of Delegates agreed to lobby Congress against allowing pharmacies to sell tobacco. Like all measures, approval of anything by the AMA's House of Delegates puts the item on the AMA's policy agenda and can become part of the group's lobbying agenda in Washington or state capitals across the country. And joining me today is Dr. Stephen Stack, a member of the AMA's Board of Trustees. Dr. Stack is an emergency physician from Lexington, Kentucky, and practices at St. Joseph Hospital East. He was elected to the AMA Board of Trustees in 2006 as the Young Physician Trustee. Dr. Stack, welcome to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. So I want to ask you, as a young physician... When President Obama spoke, tell us a little bit about the whole idea that there would be money in the budget for encouraging people into primary care and how that was received among your peers. The president received numerous standing ovations during this 55-minute policy speech, and he received a standing ovation in the context, I believe, of his support for primary care and the essential need for reform that makes primary care a viable practice opportunity for physicians and enables them to really focus on the health and well-being of patients. I think that on that topic, there's very little space between the president and the House of Medicine, that we've got to work to reinvest in that system, which at the moment is overstrained and unable to meet the needs of society. And also with medical debt has been an issue. Tell us a little bit about medical debt. Um, They brought that up in the House, and President Obama, he brought that up as well. But the issue of medical debt, there seems to be some momentum that the AMA has toward 
alleviating things that have prevented physicians from pursuing educations, going into medicine, staying in certain fields. The president, and what a great accomplishment on his behalf, among other things, to have identified a pivotal issue. When medical students arrive at the end of their training and graduate and become a physician to enter an extended period of additional training in their residency and fellowship, they're already saddled with debt that can be as much as a quarter million dollars. That's You're staggering. talking a second mortgage already. It's a house without having a house, and it's a debt that they continue to compound interest on during their training program. I think for the president to bring that up on his own, unprompted, and acknowledge that that is a profound barrier to physicians as they start their practice deserves some accolades, and hooray for him to be willing to begin a discussion on how we can work to address that. How would you say that the AMA is addressing the issue of medical student debt? The AMA has lobbied for modifications and continuations to student loan programs that would allow you to forbear the principal of your loan such that interest doesn't continue to capitalize and compound during the deferral period. And that has changed recently, and the changes are going to affect people, I believe, as soon as this summer or this coming year. We've worked on trying to make those loan programs reasonable, but what we have not been able to yet find a solution you know, with other partners and stakeholders is a way to make the entire process of that debt accumulation in the first place more reasonable. And I think that that, quite frankly, is not unique to medical education. It's a challenge that higher education in general faces. Certainly physicians with their particularly long lengths of training may be disproportionately impacted by that. On the other hand, I think it's something we share with lots of other professionals in society who attain higher degrees. And it certainly affects the field that they're going into as well. It can. I'd like to turn that around if I might. Sure. Testimony to the individuals who choose to become physicians and care for folks. Individuals still go into primary care and pediatrics, and they do it because that's what they want to do. That's where their heart and their soul is, and that is the calling that they are responding to. So I think testimony to the physicians of this country, individuals still go into these specialties to provide essential care to the people of America, even though it is not lucrative for them personally. Nonetheless, it has become progressively more unsustainable for them to get out and not have a sufficient income to service that debt and also to make up for lost ground and time when they are so deferred in the beginning of their professional lives that they're in their 30s before they finish their education. Another issue, shifting gears a little bit, the anti-aging, $50 billion industry. The AMA had a very thoughtful report on that whole idea, and this has come before the House before where they decided to create that report. But the AMA took some steps this week to address the use of hormones by some physicians, some people we don't know. And could you talk a little bit about that? Because I know you sat in on that. In that report, which the House ratified, the American Medical Association essentially is calling for truth in advertising. That if you assert that a certain product or a certain treatment or a certain hormonal therapy extends one's life or improves the quality of life or in fact helps with health and well-being, that there should be scientific evidence to substantiate those claims. We stand very strongly for patients to have the opportunity to make informed decisions about their own health and well-being. And that report in the body of it describes some concern about treatments being advanced with claims that are not supported by the medical evidence. We think that's not right for patients. Patients can make their own informed choices about how they choose to maintain their health and well-being, but that is premised upon them being provided with information that is truthful 
and that the scientific evidence supports. And so that's the principle for which we stand in that report with its recommendations. Yeah, because the anti-aging industry, if you're a consumer, if you're a patient, even when I was looking to write a story on this, you plug in Google and you might not even get a real person on the other end of your search. You might just plug something in and get a telephone number to call. And I think that the physicians were worried that, you know, hey, there are no real guidelines here. And that, as is the case generally, you want people to see a physician before they try something like this. Well, I think it's always good to have a healthy dialogue with your physician. In fact, their principal interest is your own health and well-being. But I think more importantly than that, in this particular instance, was just if these products are going to assert that they're improving your life or extending your life, that there should be evidence that proves that, in fact, they do those things. Otherwise, we hearken back to the days of snake oil and itinerant peddlers of snake oil where we advance treatments that have no benefit except to extract money from your pocket and put it into the pocket of the salesperson. And, and we're not for that. We're for patients making reasonable investments in their well-being. Were there any other things that came up in the meeting that struck you as important, either to younger physicians or to physicians of the whole, that struck you that should be highlighted? I'd like the people listening to this program to have a sense for the energy and the enthusiasm and the very deep devotion that the people here representing our profession bring to the dialogue around health system reform, our commitment and our concern for our patients, and our desire at the end of the day really to try to see that we have a system that serves patients well. And I think without a doubt, the highest profile, of course, and the most electric part of this was the President of the United States of America making the decision to travel to Chicago specifically for the purpose of having a dialogue with the Physicians of America. And in that dialogue, the President stated very clearly that he understood many of the perplexing problems we face and a willingness to have candid discussions to work together to try to solve some of these problems. There weren't promises that we were going to agree all the time from either side, but there was a sincere and a very firm commitment that we would work together to try to make this a better system for everyone. And that, I think, was nothing short of electric and was truly exciting. And I wish more of the Physicians of America had the opportunity to be in that room to feel that energy on their behalf. You have been listening to a special report on the AMA's House of Delegates meeting from the Hyatt Regency, Chicago. This is Bruce Japson for ReachMD Radio on XM160, a channel for medical professionals. Thank you for listening to ReachMD's continuing coverage of the American Medical Association's House of Delegates meeting. Visit ReachMD.com for complete coverage of the meeting, which took place June 13th through 17th in Chicago.